to Trek Companion. This is episode 229. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. Uh, and today we're discussing DS9's sixth season episodes, Equinox Part 2, Survival Instinct, and Barge of the Dead. Here we go. Equinox Part 2, Season 6, Episode 1, Production Code 221, Original Air Date September 22, 1999, Directed by David Livingston, Story by Rick Berman, Brennan Braga and Joe Minoski, Teleplay by Brennan Braga and Joe Minoski, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include John Savage as Captain Rudy Ransom, Titus Welliber as Lieutenant Commander Maxwell Burke, Olivia Birkeland as Instant Marla Gilmore, Eric Steinberg as Ankari, Stephen Dennis as Thompson, Scarlett Palmers as Naomi Wildman, and Rick Worthy as Noah Lessing. Seven has encrypted the codes accessing the Equinox warp controls, delaying their plan to murder another 63 aliens for fuel. After learning the Doctor in their sickbay is from Voyager and erasing his ethical subroutines as they did with their EMH, they tell him to probe Seven's brain to obtain the codes, despite the fact this may permanently incapacitate her. Meanwhile, Janeway starts taking the objective of stopping Ransom to the extremes when she orders torpedoes to be fired on the Equinox, nearly kills an Equinox crew member during an interrogation, tractor beams an Archean ship, and relieves Chakotay from command when he questions her orders. Do you think this is easy for me? The sight of you on that table. But you're leaving me no choice. No choice. You say that frequently. You destroy life forms to attain your goals, then claim that they left you no choice. Does that logic comfort you? Steve, why don't you kick us off on Equinox Part 2? Yeah, so I, I think I think it, it, it's it's cool. I mean, it kind of continues where we left off. It, it does what you kind of expect it to. What I always kind of thought about this one is that, you know, it seemed like the, the Captain Savage kind of like, or Captain Ransom, rather, kind of uh, came around kind of easily. It's like all of a sudden some kind of switch happened, and he's just, he's been doing this for so long, and then all of a sudden he kind of shifts gears, you know, and it's, uh, I, I don't know, it's not unbelievable, I guess, but it's just... It's convenient. It's like one of those things where it feels like they're kind of having to kind of speed up what seems to be a natural narrative to uh, to tell that story. And I I, I get it. I, they got to do something. They've got to have a redemption thing on there. And it can't just be everyone out to kill each other or whatever. And uh, I don't recall how much more the. Uh, I think it's interesting that some of this crew remains on the ship. I don't recall how much more of a role they play as it goes on. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's not bad. I mean, um, I think it's nice, nice actions, fun. Um, I think, I think also another thing I thought that was kind of like not out of left field, but it seems like let's play the whole Janeway Chakotay against each other routine, you know, again, and it just seems like we let's kick that in gear right away too, which got none of, no hint of in the first half or whatever. So, um, yeah, it kind of feels separate in that way, you know, from, from what came before, but that's my initial take on it. Adam, your thoughts? Yeah, it's 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 entertaining, but I mean, yeah, I kind of agree with Steve. They kind of sped through a lot of stuff in this episode. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of easy to, um, you know, ransom. He kind of he switches gears pretty quickly. You think he would have come to this realization a lot sooner? Um, to be honest with you, I didn't really enjoy much of the Janeway Jacote, um, you know, button heads. I think we've seen this quite a bit throughout the series and it kind right. of just always ends up being 
the same pattern. They butt heads. I mean, this time it goes to a little more extreme. She she um, relieves him of command. And then, you know, by the end of the episode, they're kind of like back on track again. It's kind of, um, it's kind of like we've seen it a lot before. It's, there was nothing new out of that, um, um, I guess, conflict between Janeway and um, Chakotay. So that was kind of disappointing. I kind of felt also the doctor stuff, you know, the Jekyll and Hyde, you know, they turn him and, you know, he's going to do these bad things to um, Seven. I feel like we've seen that a lot before. And in, in this episode, it wasn't particularly that interesting. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's, it's, it's good paced. I mean, it's an interesting, you know, concept. You having this kind of rogue um, Starfleet ship and the Alpha Quadrant with that, or the Delta Quadrant rather. And, you know, they're, they're doing their own thing, living their own, you know, laws and that kind of stuff. So I just don't know if it really played out as well as it could have. I think I might be just slightly more down on this episode than you guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't hate it. I don't think it's terrible, but I think it's, I think it's got a lot of problems, and and they're mostly things that are emblematic of like systemic issues with the show. To me, now we, we you've talked about them a bit. For example, the Janeway Chicote thing, but we're talking about like ransom so quickly to tr- turning around. There are lots of points in this episode that were just like. Super easy reset. Just from the very opening, you rem- you remember how Equinox Part One ends, right? They've got no shields. They've got no warp. The creatures are attacking, and that is just taken care of in about three seconds at the beginning of this episode. I think she pushes a button and magically they've shields or something. I mean, it's it's like what? Well, there goes any kind of Jeopardy guy. <laughs> yeah. It kind of feels like an old time serial in that way. You know, it like starts up again, and then the big problem just seems to like get immediately resolved so they can move on to just something totally different you know but the 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 Janeway Chakotay thing is is really symbol of of missed opportunities for this show so yes we have seen that Janeway like Chakotay standing up to Janeway thing many times here it seems to be taken even farther with Janeway relieving of of command and confining him to quarters even I don't remember but definitely really you know and then she just kind of reinstates him at the end. She says, all right, this is all over, so you can be a first officer again. And he says, okay, and we're back to 100% normal. And it just, it's just, it's, it feels so shallow, the whole thing. Like, what, what human anywhere ever acts the way either of these people do if they meant a word they said before that scene? I mean, I just don't get it. Put it another way. What if when she said that to Chicote, he said to her, no! Yeah. No, you you nearly killed that man, uh, Rick Worthy's character, whatever his name was. You nearly killed him. There's a reason you relieved me of command. I haven't changed my mind. I still think that was wrong. I'm not just gonna, you know, what if what if he had said no? Can you imagine how the season could have played out if he was on the ship but relieved of command? I don't know that that could have been something really interesting. We know not in a million years was Voyager ever going to take a risk like that. And we've we've dismissed it a lot because of the time in which the show was made. But you know, th- this episode of Voyager was the first time Voyager aired with DS9 off the air. So DS9 was literally in the past by the time this episode aired. And I kind of think DS9 m- would have done something like that. They had a whole season where Odo was a human, <laughs> right? Right. Yep. It takes away any kind of stakes or jeopardy, and it makes the episode. I don't know. There's just everything about this episode. It just feels like. Missed opportunities because of this innate 
uh, weakness of the show overall to take any chances, to surprise us ever, to do to leave anything unsaid or to end any episode without resetting like it's 1966 original series. The one thing I, I don't quite understand, I didn't quite get, because Janeway kind of went, I think they went a little too far with her in this episode on stuff, because I mean... I and for kind of no reason, I never yeah, really I understood why she yeah. was so passionate there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, like you said, she almost killed this guy in the interrogation, and then she was literally putting the crew at risk, because, you know, Chakotay's whole thing is he wanted to go find out about these creatures so they he could get them to stop attacking, but I mean, as you pointed out, Brian, you know, that problem seemed to be solved right away with the shields. But I mean, I yeah, I don't quite. I never didn't. I didn't quite get the motivation behind. Um, I mean, I, I see what they were trying to do. I mean, you know, oh, this guy is betraying Starfleet. But that didn't. I don't know. There wasn't enough for me. Um, she took it very personally, and I don't quite understand why it didn't come out in these these episodes. Yeah, and, and I don't even feel much satisfaction with any of the stuff that happens on on the Equinox. Even the Doctor Seven stuff, which. You know, I love the Doctor and I love Seven. But, like, Ransom pushes a button and his ethical subroutines are gone. I, I mean, I don't even really... Yeah, it was kind of... I feel like that might have... That kind of hurt his character in a way a little bit. Like... It's kind of like he's got an off switch. You just turn him off. Yeah. And it's not so consistent either, because in the past, they've implied that building some kind of sophisticated, you know, holographic character like this takes a lot of work, you know, and why it would be easy to like it's like it's like a built-in function like why would that on earth would that be a built-in function of, a, <laughs> yeah, of the doctor on us <laughs> yeah it's like just in case you need to deactivate the ethical subroutines hit whatever i mean you know that's preposterous you know well it made sense for their doctor because it's like well yeah you have time to kind of like like do what you said um steve kind of you know break down his subroutines and make him evil but yeah that was just like okay now you're evil not to mention just by getting rid of his ethical subroutines, now he's going to just do what he wants. Do whatever that other captain, who isn't even his captain, says to the person who is a member of his yeah, crew. Makes no sense. Makes no it's sense. not like it was a get rid of his ethical subroutines, make him slavishly obey me. I, I mean, I don't. I, it doesn't. So I don't know. I, I, I feel like I, this episode just made me feel a little bit frustrated. It's not awful. It's not awful. There's some good production value in there, and some the the space battle stuff is is fun to watch. And but I mean, I don't even I don't even think it's as good as Equinox Part One. And I wasn't like nuts about Equinox Part One. Well, we've we mentioned this before. I mean, you know, if, if if Voyager was probably made today, the Equinox would be part of a several shows. I mean, it would be kind of a theme for a whole season. You know, you'd be in and out. Well, one of you, I think it was Steve. One of you asked about. How, what what becomes of these this the new crew members that they integrated? Nothing. We never see them again. See, that's ridiculous. Why? Why the heck not? That there's some good story stuff in there. Uh huh. I mean, if you're gonna set that, that's that's the thing here, right? Is if you're gonna decide ahead of time that you can't carry some big theme over several episodes, then don't start it. You you write yourself in a corner with like doing something, and then like, okay, now let's let's make this big drama thing, and then just shut it down. I mean, it makes it ridiculous, you know. I mean, that's that's the thing is if you really are gonna say we cannot go there, we cannot make you know these choices because it's 1999, we don't do or gonna do that, whatever it is, then don't go down that path because then it seems ridiculous. Uh, if you're a fa- fan of the Ron Moore David Icke Battlestar Galactica, which 
if you are a breathing human being, you are. <laughs> um, you know, much has been said about how Ron Moore took his frustration with the limitations of Star Trek, that with all the things he couldn't do in Star Trek, you know, and he put those into his Battlestar. Well, you know, DS9 went off the air, and Ron Moore had been with Star Trek for a long time. Remember, he came on with Next Gen, then went to DS9. So, and, and he was really young when he started Next Gen. So he was a young guy that had been making his living as a writer for, for many years at this point, all in Star Trek. And I don't blame him for being a little bit scared at the idea of suddenly not being with Star Trek. So he accepted it when they asked him to come over to Voyager. But that did not last very long. I think it only lasts like three or four episodes and then he's gone because he's just so frustrated. And Voyager to him didn't even have all the great like character stuff that he got to do with DS9, stuff like that, right? The reason I'm bringing all this up is when you've heard, if you've heard people say he took those frustrations about with the limitations of Trek and put them in Battlestar, this episode, that's literally true because he worked on these first few episodes of Voyager's sixth season and he did this same thing. He took this same thing and went way back, in a way more extreme, interesting way on Battlestar with uh, Pegasus, uh, right? That was the name of that other show, uh, the, the sisters, sistership, yeah, yeah. right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that show, he had he had these two captains that were both out there on the edge, and one of them reacted a certain way and stayed true to their ideals, and the other one reacted another way and stole crap from people and left them to die. Right? Took resources from ships and things like that so we had he had that same situation and that's in row she just turned out really bad sorry folks those are really good shows <laughs> those are fantastic episodes they're really great just talking about it right now it makes me want to go watch every episode of Battlestar again <laughs> yeah i just recently watched it so it's fun stuff and yeah. row she turned out really that's bad. right michelle forbes plays that other captain well and that's and that's the history of kind of you know various various art forms media or whatever is that at some point someone decides that this is too same old same old and we have to take a risk you know and it's people that are willing to go out and take a risk and they do something new and and that's the thing and and you know and it that that's how these things evolve and and move forward you know and and current trek is is using these tools you know that were essentially reactionary to the trek of this time and it just it just keeps going that way and it's just this how it's always been all right well we've probably stayed on this one long enough uh is this episode about anything i don't know like i said we, we talked about the the jacote janeway relationship here i, I don't they didn't do anything with it I, I don't know stick to your moral your ethical morals but janeway doesn't really do that no and i think i think they just you know they try to squeeze in too much i mean if they're going to make it about something then don't do this Chakotay Janeway stuff out of the blue and, or don't take this other captain and make him, you know, try to strive for redemption all at once because you can, you can't do both in the time allotted really, you know, you can't do it justice. So I think, I think with the uh, captain ransom side of things, they tried to go for a redemption story that someone coming back to their ideals and whatnot, but it just didn't have enough, didn't have enough time and enough, enough to it to, to really, do anything there and then with the whole Chakotay Janeway thing they were trying to show this notion of um, conflict within working together to, you know but again but again it's, it's, it's just all over the place and it's you there wasn't enough time and enough put into either of those things to really solidify those themes in this episode in my opinion yeah and then then you had to create a new bad guy in the second episode with the 
the first officer. It was just, yeah, just all over the place. Yep. All right, let's do Six Degrees for Equinox Part 2. Steve. Yep. Rick Worthy plays Noah Lessing. Last time I asked about his recurring Zindi character in Enterprise. So let's ask about a different character he played. Uh, He played an Eloran officer in which Trek feature? Hmm. You'd have to, you'd have to remember what that species is, and then you would know for sure because they, their, their species, was kind of in service to another. What was the name of the alien race again? Eloran. <laughs> Can you spell it? E L L O R A N. Valve, please. Okay. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, what was the question again, Brian, while he's thinking about it? He played an officer on a ship in what Star Trek feature? It was it was not a Federation ship, but they were working with Federation. A Star Trek feature? Mm-hmm. So the insurrection? Yes, it was insurrection. They were he he, uh, he was on Ruafo's ship. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Adam? Yeah? I just had to ask you, which Cylon, what number, was Rick Worthy in Ron Moore's Battlestar? He was Cylon 4, and he also went by Simon. Very good. I got bonus points. (laughs) (laughs) Number 4. He wasn't um, wasn't one of the big characters. I think so. 4 was one of the lesser Cylons. Mm. You finished the series, right, Steve? Yeah, I did. It's been quite a while since I've seen it, but yeah. All right, one to one, moving on. Survival Instinct, Season 6, Episode 2, Production Code 222. Original air date, September 29th, 1999. Directed by Terry Wendell, written by Ronald D. Moore, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast includes Scarlett Palmers as Naomi Wildman, Vaughn Armstrong as Lansor, Bertilla Demos as Wilkara, Tim Kelleher as Pachan, and Jonathan Breck as Dying Borg. Voyager is docked at a space station. While meeting several representatives of various species in a mess hall, a man approaches Seven of Nine, revealing a container of several Borg implants as a gift. The sight stuns Seven and brings her back memories from her past as a Borg. As the man walks away, it is revealed that he is a telepath communicating with two other guests aboard Voyager. They would choose freedom, no matter how fleeting. Only you and I can truly understand that. Survival is insufficient. Adam, kick us off on Survival Instinct. Um, I like this episode. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a simple story. You kind of have a lot of have the flashbacks and, you know, we get kind of, we get more of, you know, seven. Um, she's on this away mission with these Borgs, um, in her past, um, Borg life. And, um, you know, we find out through the course of the episode, they give, kind of give it away bit bits and pieces at a time. You don't get it all, all the way through. So it kind of keeps you, keeps you going through the episode, but you know, eventually we find out that she is, um, she has made these, um, three other Borg, you know, connected just to themselves. So not only do, are they hearing the collective, they are, um, they are hearing each other's thoughts, um, very predominantly. And, you know, seven did this because of a fear of, um, 
being on this planet, um, disconnected from the collective. And I like the reasonings that they put behind it. You know, you have these other three who became bored later on in life as whereas seven was, um, you know, became a Borg um, at a very young age. So um, that intrigue that goes all the way through the episode, finding out that, you know, the story um, that connects these four people all the way through, um, you know, the compassion that seven has kind of developed um, in her short time as being a human being, her compassion for these people. And, you know, the, in the end um, is, is good too when they separate and, and the Bajoran woman, you know, with the scene there at the end with seven was a good scene. So it's not really, I wouldn't call it really a story of redemption for seven. I think it's just, um, it's kind of facing your, your past and your past mistakes. It's kind of how, what I took from this episode. Steve. Yeah, I really like it too. Um, I, I think there's it's, there's a lot to be said there for this notion. I, yeah, it is, it is interesting, like you pointed out, Adam, the idea that um, she did what she did because of the timing in which she – and that kind of says something about childhood trauma in a way um, and, you know, what that – what the, the cost of that and what that can cause. It's also – there's a lot of psychological elements of how much does Seven really remember? How much is she repressed from this? You know, you, 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 it's it just kind of it's, – it's ambiguous a little bit in terms of what does she really remember or not remember from the get-go? You know, you don't know. And then this uh, – you know, it's kind of – it's almost like snuck in there toward the end, but that whole convincing the doctor, you know, of the ethics of, you know, living for just a month or whatever versus, you know – allowing her to make that choice for them, you know, and it seems really good. Scene. Very, very genuine between those two. I mean, it's, it's no wonder that those are the, those are the two characters that we, you know, dwell on the most and love the most in this series, you know, that just, it was just great. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it and uh, I thought it was interesting. This is just one of those episodes that I always remembered really well. Like I didn't, maybe I didn't remember the exact name, but just seeing a single image from it, I remember the entire episode, you know, Mm-hmm. Something about this episode that always kind of stuck with me. I do wonder if maybe the the actual, the very, very end, you know, the last couple moments and stuff, I don't know, maybe they're not as satisfying as the rest of the show. Especially, I guess it's probably not bad to leave it that way, but what's her name, Marika? She, she decides to stay on the ship, but we just cut away and that's it. I realize it's a show about Seven, but it's a little bit weird. I guess we just assume that she becomes an invalid and then dies and then gets ejected into space in the next couple of weeks before the next episode. Um, And nobody ever talks about her again, I guess. They put her in with, they put her in with the Equinox crew. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. That'd be a little like short trek someday we can revisit, you know, like uh, (laughs) what happened in 24 hours, all those people just got shot out of an airlock and they died or something. But but if she had just said that she was also going to leave, you know, that would have made a little more sense to me how in the next scene it's just seven with the little with um naomi as opposed to i almost feel like seven would have kept trying to do something for marika if she's on the ship yeah. and right, uh, right. because of her so, <laughs> so you yeah. don't have a, you don't have a problem with way how it ended between marika and her you just have no if she had marika. been like i can't ever forgive you i might maybe understand why but i can't forgive you for what you did I'm leaving, you know, that would have, I would have been okay, more okay with that. It just feels weird that seven, that even if that had just, even if they had exactly what they had and that was the last scene of the episode, maybe that would have been cleaner. It just feels weird to me for the next scene to be her and Naomi and, 
you know, screw that person who's dying a couple of rooms <laughs> over. <laughs> I don't know. That just that just felt slightly weird. But you know, I don't want to spend too much time on that because I I did I do like this episode. I do like it a lot. You know, it's kind of unusual. I'm not usually not like a big on like flashbacks throughout the whole episode, but in this one, it works. In this one, just kind of telling that that story. Um, oddly enough. Well, and it you know it's it's a surprising uh, story point there that it was that it was seven after all. Right. My memory was a little off. I I remembered this episode in one way. I remember this episode as being the doctor just says, "Well, I've you know I've." I can disconnect them from each other, but they're going to die in a month. I didn't remember the part about they're going to die because of, you know, some crazy overload thing that happened a few minutes ago in the cargo bay. So either we must return them to the board collective or I can separate them, but then they'll die in a month. Right. I think my memory of it, I liked better because it was more of a choice that we would rather we're in, we have a choice of living full lives but stuck in each other's heads or we can choose to spend a month as individuals we would choose we choose the latter that was slightly more interesting in my head somehow but that's actually not the episode yeah i mean i i I agree with you brian i think that was that would have been a little better i remember i was watching the episode i actually had to rewind and be like what because i they go through it really quick and i'm like so why are why do they have so yeah i actually had to watch it twice because he explains it really quick and it doesn't make um, narratively, it doesn't quite make as much sense as as how you kind of laid it out. I think it would have been better. Yeah, it's not quite so uh, deep when it's just, well, live a month, you know, like this, or be a Borg. I mean, you know, okay, that's not so tough, I guess. That scene when she has her impassioned plea, gives the doctor her impassioned plea, it is good. And she, yeah, she's yeah, great. Sure. He's great with her. That's, that's what really sells it. That's right. definitely what really sells it. What is this episode about? It's confronting your past and maybe confronting past mistakes, confronting things that you, not just mistakes, but things that you did, not because they were right, because you did them out of fear and just coming to terms with that as, as, as part of you moving forward. And that's kind of like what we see psychologically um, with seven in this episode. It's, that's kind of one of the things I really like about this episode. It's not, it's not a feel good episode. It's not a feel good seven episode. You don't, you come away from this episode feeling better about the character of seven just because she f- seems more, um, she seems more human and not robotic. Even when she was, she was bored that she could make um, these um, human type mistakes. Um, and that just makes her more real and it gives her more depth. Um, and I think that's what we get a lot of out of this episode. She, she, she made the mistake. She, and, and, and it's kind of like you, you you have no choice but to just go on and, you know, you try to redeem yourself. You try to make the best choices going forward, but you recognize why you did what you did. And I think it's also kind of about how just how tricky the mind is. I mean, I, I still wonder how much did she remember the whole time? You know, how much did she repress, you know, and then she kind of it came all back when they all hooked together. And, but um Ultimately, you know, we, we just, we just change. We evolve as people. We've, we made these errors in the past and you learn from them and, and then going forward, you make, you make new choices and yeah, she didn't have, all those people didn't forgive her. They didn't all have some big kumbaya. Yeah. Kumbaya. Let's all hug each other and we all love each other now and we're great and let's all stay together. It didn't happen that way. And that's, that's, that's real life. You know, you're not going to get forgiveness from everybody. You're not going to get everyone happy with you or whatever, but you just have to make the the best new choice and just put the past behind, you know? 
I mean, you think about seven. I mean, she was never malicious, even in the even in the original decision. It was you know based on fear, and that's you can see the heart yeah. of the character come out. I mean, she's genuine. She knows she didn't do the right thing, but she's genuine about trying to fix what she can and move forward with that. I understand. All right, let's do six degrees for survival instinct. Our score is one to one. Adam, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Bertilla Damas plays three of nine slash Marika in the DS9 second season two-parter, The McKee. She played McKee member Sakona, and her character wanted to buy weapons from Quark. What species was Sakona? Was she Bajoran? Nope. Steve? Hmm. You got to picture that face. Yeah, I'm trying. Quirk tries to have a thing with her. <laughs> I guess that doesn't really nail it down, though. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, human? Vulcan. Hmm, okay. Okay, yeah. I'm going to melt that Vulcan heart of yours. <laughs> uh, Steve, Von Armstrong plays two of nine, Lansor. Uh, he played lots of Star Trek roles, but we remember him best as Admiral Forrest on Enterprise, what was Forrest's first name? Mm, boy. And I will accept his first name or his Mirror Darkly counterpart, which has a similar first name. <laughs> Jeez. Um, gosh. Jeez. So it seems, I mean, something's coming to me here, but it's just <laughs> not. Yeah, it seems like it should be easier than it is, right? Jeez, uh, um, something like... Uh, Maximilian or something? Yes, very yeah. good. Okay, wow. his his name is is Maxwell Forrest, but his mirror universe was Maximilian. Okay, wow. okay. So I said I would take that. You got it. All right, uh, two one. Steve, moving on. Barge of the Dead, season six, episode three, production code two twenty three. Original air date October sixth, nineteen ninety nine. Directed by Mike Beeger, story by Ronald D. Moore and Brian Fuller, teleplay by Brian Fuller, music composed by David Bell. Guest cast include Eric Pierpoint as Cortar, Sherman Augustus as Hikjaw, and Karen Austin as Miral. While returning from an away mission, Belana Taurus encounters interference from an ion storm, which results in a concussion. Chakotay finds a Klingon artifact lodged inside Taurus's shuttlecraft, and Neelik plans a celebration of the discovery of the object, believing it originates from the Alpha Quadrant, and thus proves Voyager is getting closer to home. Taurus resists the proposal for the party. She consults with Security Chief Tuvok, who believes her negative response to the object stems from her hatred of her Klingon heritage. Whatever it was, it changed me. I can't ignore that. I need to confront what's happened. Uh, this is funny. So my memory of this episode was that I hated it, right? Hmm. But I didn't remember the details. I just remembered I hate that episode. I started watching it, and I actually, I literally wrote down, oh, this is a lot better than I remembered it. What was I thinking? And then, <laughs> and then she goes actually goes to the barge, barge of the dead for the first time, and I like erased what I wrote and wrote, oh, I think I see now what maybe I didn't like about it, but it's it's still not as bad as I thought. But 
and then we got the last act in all the dream state stuff. And then I erased that and said, I hate this episode. <laughs> so uh, long-time listeners will recall, I pretty much hate it when they do this sort of the sloppy dream thing that, I mean, you know, the, the Chakotay boxing episode, which is so terrible. That's this. That kind of feels like a better version of that. But so I, so I like the first 10 minutes or something, maybe 15 minutes of this episode until it gets to the barge of the dead. And then the barge of the dead is okay, but it doesn't really do anything or go anywhere interesting. And then the last portion is just no thanks. So yeah, I'm not going to have a lot of great stuff to say here. Um, I also, I think the actress that plays her mom is, we're just so used to guest stars and everybody being so great, but that actress maybe isn't so great. And that takes away a lot of those scenes. I don't know. Not my favorite episode here. Uh, Steve, what, what do you think? Yeah. yeah I mean, I agree with uh, what you described as its deficiencies. I, I don't think I dislike it as much as you dislike it, but um, I think it's, I think, I think the problem is that it's so hard to do this kind of thing. Okay. So like, I agree that that Chicote boxing thing is just awful. Um, I think what like this one suffers from is that you kind of have to like, if you're going to go down that path and do this kind of like abstract, you know, ethereal kind of, you know, deal, you, you can't get to the point where you start explaining the symbolism. And I felt like at some point, you know, there was kind of this thing going on where here's what's happening. And I'm going to tell you about it because it might be too abstract for you to get. And I don't really, I can't even cite specific examples, but it felt that way to me. It felt like we're going to go into this territory and then we're going to like backtrack and try to explain it. And that's when it's problematic. I think if you go down that path of kind of abstract dreamlike, just flowing stuff, you try to explain it and you're done. You know, it's, it's, then you're just backtracking into reality or whatever. Right. I think that the, the ending somehow really connected with me. I like this notion of that character Torres, you know, because again, we kind of go in this problem with, with characters as we kind of alluded to with the Chicote Janeway stuff, where there's this, here we are again with the conflict, you know, like we're back in what's back up two years and deal with this again. Like there's just not a progression. And Taurus is like that where periodically she just like, let's get really angry and angst, you know, ridden about everything and, and then try to come to some kind of redemption for it. But is, is kind of like a, just a module is one segment here. The notion of everything she deals with and everything that is brought up and then trying to come to terms with it and reality being, you know, okay, it's just all in your head. Probably, you know, your mom really dead and probably not whatever, but then you come out of it and think, oh, I'm just glad, I'm just glad I'm alive. I don't know. I, I like that stuff. I just think, you know, when you have this tonal problem with let's have straight narrative and then followed by abstract dream sequences that you can't explain, then, it just doesn't work. You can't just don't try to explain if you're going to do that or just don't do it at all. If you can't nail it down in the episodes, that that's kind of how I am on this episode. Yeah. I like that very, very, very final moment of seeing her hug Janeway for some reason. That was, yeah, that was nice. You know, I mean, that, that, that's something, uh, Adam. Yeah. I pretty much kind of have the same feelings as, as you guys. Um, the one thing that I, I I'm I'm not a, huge fan of this episode but the one kind of thing that kind of did kind of blow it at the very end when she's with when she says goodbye to her mother 
And she's like, we'll see each other again in Stormcore. Or she's like, or just when you get home. So I'm like, well, what was this whole episode about? I thought she was supposed to be dead. I'm like, what does yeah. that mean? I'm just like, what? I, it, it actually kind of pissed me off with that, that line. Pissed me off because I'm like, what, what was this episode about? If she's not actually dead and this isn't actually taking place. So it's just all on Taurus's head. And so I think that's what this, I agree, kind of agree with, I do agree with Steve that it's convoluted. I'm like, what are you trying to do here? Are you kind of trying to do, um, you know, dream, reality? You're not sure what's real. So, I mean, the audience is, you know, you're trying to mess with the audience and that's what this episode is trying to do. But at the same time, it's trying to do kind of a character analysis of Bolana. So... I think they would have been better off choosing one or the other, and it might have been a better episode because it's like it's so com like, like I think that's words been said a lot convoluted that you're not sure what they were actually trying to do with this episode, especially in that kind of that that line at the very end just kind of cemented it all for me. That I is she dead or is she not? Do we have to guess at this? What what's the point of the point of that? And so um, that's kind of what my feelings were. Well, that line you speak of with that, I think that's kind of an example of what I was talking about, explaining the dream. You know, again, just just don't. I mean, right. we, 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 it's going to be natural to wonder, like, well, how the hell is this going to be? I mean, how can this really be that she's really knowing that her mom's dead? That doesn't make any sense. You know, t- we're going to have these thoughts if we're if we have any sense at all as a viewer, you know. So right. anytime you start saying, I mean, it'd be the equivalent of it at the end, you know, like they just like go into some two minute long speech of, well, you know what, this could be a hallucination or I could have been in some parallel universe or I could have been, you know, that, that, that ruins it all. I mean, if you were right. going to go down that path, just makes the whole thing that way. And hopefully you have someone that really has it together. Who's writing it because that's hard, you know, right. and to do it well and not just be a big mess, you know? So, yeah. Uh, we haven't had a lot of Tuvok lately. It was nice to have a couple of moments in this episode to remind us that Tuvok is the funniest character on the show. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That that moment when he's walk he he she walks into the party and he sees her the look on his face <laughs> the kind of disdain yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, so what's this episode about? Dealing with I guess you know evolving from your parents. I mean you know it's kind of the theme. You know it's you're seeing this conflict between Valana and her mother because her mother is very traditional Klingon and Valana has obviously rebelled against that her entire life. And so in this episode, in a weird kind of strange convoluted way, she kind of comes to terms with that and makes peace with her mom. So it's, um, I guess, making peace with your parents and your heritage. But I don't know if that really sticks. Right. I think there's a lot going on. I mean, I think that this idea, there, there is some truth certainly to this idea that um, it's almost impossible to know all the baggage we carry with us. You know, it takes, it takes, and some, for some of us, we're we're never going to know, you know, we're not going to have, but then, but then sometimes we have those moments where like something triggers where you realize, wow, I'm carrying around this thing that I've had for so long that, you know, coming from my childhood, coming from my upbringing, whatever, and I've got to deal with this, you know? So, you know, not, not all of us even come to that realization and certainly not all of us, deal with it you know and uh and i think you know again with a a flawed episode but that last moment that seems so satisfying like oh god i'm alive you know it's it's that finding the truth in things you know coming to some kind of reconciliation within yourself and and you know getting getting perspective on on what's important you know that's what it was for me let's do six degrees for bars of the dead uh steve has two adam has one Steve, are you going first or second? 
I'll go first. Eric Pierpoint plays the Klingon Kortar, the guy driving the boat to hell. In Enterprise, he played Harris, a recurring character from Section 31 in four separate episodes. All four were in which season? Mm-hmm. I'll give you a hint. He wore, like, a black outfit. Oh, yeah. Mm, four? Yes. Adam. Karen Austin plays Moral, Torres's mama. In DS9's fifth season in the episode Nor the Battle to the Strong, she played Dr. Calandra working at the Federation Hospital on Agilon Prime. Jake Sisko is reporting on the battles as the Federation gets attacked by what species? Um, Kazon, right? Oh, no, not the K. Um, <laughs> oh, go ahead and take you it. You got the right consonant. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead and take, take it, Steve. Cardassian? Nope. I knew this sound was going to be like a trick question. They're actually Klingons. Oh, okay. Remember, oh, he's during the, that he, it's the one where he period. gets all scared and leaves leaves Bashir. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, Steve takes it for the day, I'm afraid, but it's not a shutout, so that's good. You can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. We are excited to finally be in the sixth season of Voyager, and there's some good stuff coming up, so we hope you'll be back in two weeks to join us as we do the next three episodes. So thank you for spending an hour with us, and until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.